Got a fun Clemson conversation today and a lot of other news to get to. Good morning. It is Tuesday, December 28th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Anna Hickey of Clemson 24-7 is about to join us. We're going to go in-depth on Clemson, which plays Wednesday in the Cheez-It Bowl against Iowa State, trying to get to a 10-win mark. Clemson is really interesting right now. It's replacing both coordinators, Tony Elliott, who's now the head coach at Virginia, and Brendan Venables, now the head coach at Oklahoma. From within, Wesley Goodwin, formerly an analyst, now the defensive coordinator, and Brandon Streeter, formerly the quarterback's coach, uh, who was the play caller for Clemson in the uh, Sugar Bowl loss to Ohio State last year when, when Elliott got COVID, is now the offensive coordinator. Clemson is also showing signs of hitting the transfer portal and uh, is also going to have to work around what looks to be a very small 2022 recruiting class. So we're going to get into all of that with Anna. More importantly to the fate of this next week of bowl games, perhaps, is the fact that the CDC, though, has announced that it has relaxed its isolation protocols for those testing positive with COVID-19. If asymptomatic, the time in isolation is now five days and then followed by five days of wearing a mask around others. If the NCAA can adopt that quickly, and there's no reason to believe that they can't just mirror what the CDC has suggested, that should help. Maybe not. I don't know. You know, I'm saying it's going to help college football, but five days now from now is is, is a college football playoff semis. But if you're a college basketball fan, it'll help. And, and maybe it'll also help um, some of these, or at least a college football playoff national championship. So that's a big deal. It's a big deal for college sports and COVID. Definitely have to lead off with that. Speaking of college sports and COVID, late Sunday night, Miami pulled out of the Sun Bowl, which is, it was scheduled to face Washington State. But it looks now like Washington State could find an opponent by way of Central Michigan, because Central Michigan lost its opponent for the Barstool Arizona Bowl. It was scheduled to play Boise State. Boise State has pulled out, and it is expected, according to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, that Central Michigan is going to work its way into the Sun Bowl, which would be a bigger draw than the than the uh, Arizona Bowl. So I guess all's well. That ends well Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and then, of course, Friday should be a much better bowl slate than we had the last few days and on Monday because of a few cancellations. Um, you saw in the quick lane bowl, though, uh, Western Michigan slapped Nevada 52 to 24. One other piece of bowl news Garrett Wilson opted out of the Rose Bowl. The Ohio State receiver will not play against Utah as he prepares for the NFL. Pretty rare and weird to see someone opt out of the Rose Bowl, but you don't blame a guy who's just accustomed to playing in playoff games. Uh, and it's going to be fun, though, to, to see if what if Olave opts out. Like it, you know, maybe Ohio State's chances of winning go down, but it should be fun to see who's next in that receiver room for the Buckeyes. We know Jackson Smith. Smith and Jig was there, of course, but can Julian Fleming break out? Can Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, maybe former five-star freshman at Mecca Egbuka as well? So that that could be cool to see a cool little layer, uh, a way to add perspective to bowl game opt-outs. And my segue here, though, no no bowl game opt-outs for Clemson. So as we get into this conversation, um, Anna touts that, and uh, I, I agree, it's a it's a it's a good sign of the Clemson culture because there there are fans and, and people around college football who are erstwhile wondering um, what will become of Davo Sweeney's program with without those two linchpin coordinators and as college football hits the transfer portal era. So uh, a lot of stuff to discuss with the Tigers. Let's get right to it. Anna Hickey joins us right now. And I, I sketched out four different little questions for you and we'll see where they go okay. regarding the end of the season and all that stuff. Number one, these internal promotions, Brandon Streeter, Wesley Goodwin. It's not the same situation because like the defense was 
the defense doesn't need to be changed, but I'm I'm intrigued by taking an analyst who no one knows and making him the face of it. And the offense, I think you and I would both agree, need some sort of lift. Um, and, and then they're they're gonna yeah. stay in house with that. So what what's your read on on both of these hires and then more broadly, like what's your read on Dabo Sweeney not going outside the room? Well, I'm not surprised once the dust has settled and we've heard from Dabo that this is what he's decided to do. If you know Dabo Sweeney or follow him at all, you know that he goes against the grain and he doesn't necessarily listen to the outsiders. Well, he should do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, and I mean, there's a reason guys have stuck around so long in his program, assistant coaches, and that's not just the coordinators, but it's you know, the position coaches all the way down to the analysts because they know, you know, their loyalty, if they do a good job, you know, it'll pay off in the end. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. You know, Dabo told us if there's, any way that he can promote from within, he's always going to do that. You know, there's some cases like an instance of Chad Morris or Todd Bates. I mean, not many, but there are a couple where he felt like he needed to go outside. But I think they've had such coaching stability for so long that it was, and these guys know the program and they've been there through the success that Clemson has been on this ride that Clemson has been on. So he feels like, you know, I mean, for good, for, you know, I know we'll talk about him in detail more, but good one. I mean, he's been Venable's right-hand man for years. And then Streeter too. I mean, Streeter has some coordinator experience. He came from Clemson as the offensive coordinator at Richmond. So yeah, not surprising. I mean, I think you could argue that you can make an argument against it for sure, but I don't think anyone knows right now one way or the other, if it's going to be a success or not. Yeah. I guess the only, uh, we'll start with Streeter and we'll just, we'll play this game. My argument against would be, you know, everyone who watched 2021 would say the offense needs to change a little bit. Do you get the sense in talking to Streeter and that he, he, he might know that too, and might bring a little bit, few different concepts to the table than, than the departing Tony Elliott had? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, when we've talked to him maybe a couple times since he's been hired, he's not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, I mean, offense sucks. Like, Elliot's out of there. Now I can kind of re, you know, he's not going to come out and say that. And, and then, you know, he's also asked about what the offense will look like against Iowa State. And even if he is going to put in some of his wrinkles and, you know, put his own twist on things, which I think he will, it's not going to happen in this game. You know, they'll need an offseason to kind of get the personnel, figure out what, you know, but I do think that one thing that you could point to is tempo. Streeter kind of casually mentioned that in an interview. It made it to seem like he wants to emphasize that more. And, you know, if you watch Clemson last year, their success on offense did, at times did come when Clemson was going fast and they weren't having to think so much. There wasn't as much time for mistakes to happen. It was just, you know, line up, spot the ball, play, um, you know, as simple as that sounds. And we, we, you know, we asked Elliot about, Elliot about it last year, you know, why not go tempo all the time if it's working? And, you know, he, he would always say, well, you know, when you go tempo, it's more often because you're throwing the ball and, you know, we're always, we want to be able to run the ball. So I just think there's going to be times when there are times when you really can go tempo more than what Clemson did last year. And so I think that's something that Streeter wants to do. And then another thing that was interesting was Streeter said, you know, no one's more comfortable and no one knows the quarterback better than I do. And he said, you know, coming from Richmond, I was actually a little skeptical that a non-quarterbacks coach could call the plays and talking about Scott and Elliott. And obviously that worked, but I think from now, you know, he'll know exactly what DJ is thinking and what he's most comfortable with in each situation and that communication and that comfort level. I mean, so, you know, maybe that's something that could, that could, uh, on a positive note for Clemson, maybe that's something that could pay off. Defensively, good win. Once again, the defense does not need to change. I think to me, it comes down to recruiting and then like, you know, how do the players respond? What's your read on that so far, Anna? 
I don't think you can doubt like, everything you've heard about Goodwin is like, he's just this elite thinker, has a photogenic memory. Everyone that's worked with him, whether it's Venables, Bruce Arians, I mean, down to Sylvester Crew. I mean, everyone that's worked with him has the utmost respect for him. And Dabo promoted him because he didn't want to lose him to Venables. So that was, I mean, there's one example for how much respect he had for him. And this has been the plan for a couple of years now. So this isn't like, I mean, Davos knew that this was going to happen. So in terms of promoting Goodwin, so I don't doubt his ability in terms of schematically or even necessarily as a play caller. And this is, and this is what I'm about to say is not criticism, but it's just something worth pointing out. And it's just uh, room present. So when Venables just commanded a room, he was energetic, charismatic, a little intimidating. I mean, just he, he was just that guy, that dude. And, and Goodwin is, is not as as much that he's not as intense on the practice field he's going to be a little bit more of an observer and like i said that's not a critique it's just it's just kind of wild to watch you know as a media member the difference the contrasting in styles and i'm sure part of it is you know goodwin was just kind of getting his feet wet being on the field again for the first time in a long time being around the players more but you know i definitely think there's there's a buy-in they haven't had any players transfer since venables left um but i do think it'll be interesting to see you know, Goodwin kind of command that defense, if you will. All right. Second question. You mentioned transfer. Everyone wants to know the transfer portal. Is it happening? Is, is Clemson going to go that route? I've been reading your updates on the Clemson 24 seven board. Seems like they've been in, in the mix with a few guys. So, and I'm going to guess you're, you're like leaning. Yes. Uh, but we don't know yeah. for sure, but I'd be interested to see your full answer here. Yeah, I do think they will. What position and how many is kind of up in the air, but I would be surprised if they do not look for whether it's a guard or a center, some sort of interior offensive lineman. I thought quarterback would be somewhere an option, especially after losing Tyson um, because they've got DJ and then behind DJ, they've got a true freshman. I mean, I'll bet he's very talented and Kate Klubnick, number one quarterback in the country, but still a true freshman. And then behind that, you've got two former walk-ons that have been put on scholarship. So you've got four guys. And so, I mean, DJ gets hurt, you're rolling with a freshman or you're rolling with a former walk-on. So, but Clemson's, Clemson's set with that. They're, they're okay with that. But it would be interesting not to go off on a tangent, but as if, if Cade beats DJ out somehow, DJ gets restless. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know if four bodies is, is going to be enough. But one thing to point out is Will Taylor, um, who's a freshman last year, he got to quarterback reps. Now he's in the wide receiver room, but he does know how to run the offense from a quarterback perspective. So maybe Clemson's kind of comfortable leaning on that. It wasn't even on my questions list, but people's ears probably perked up. You mentioned Clubnick maybe pushing DJ. Um, you think? Yeah. <laughs> you, what, 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 do you think that could actually happen? I mean, we saw Trevor overtake Kelly Bryant. You know, a year after Kelly Bryant took Clemson to an ACC championship. So you know, I don't know. I think got to get K's an early enrollee. So you've got to see like not just his physical ability, but how quickly he's able to pick up the offense and the command of it and the protections and all that good stuff. And obviously DJ has two years of experience on him, but I wouldn't, I would not sit here and think that we're going to enter fall camp with a quarterback battle. It's not what I'm saying, but I wouldn't discount it completely. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think the best, I think the best thing for DJ would be, you know, to get actually pushed this spring. Yeah. To get pushed. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I do think interior offensive line is where they'll probably look. You know, I don't know other positions other than that. I guess we'll have to see where Clemson lands with this recruiting class. I mean, you've still got plenty of needs to fill from a high, high school perspective, National Signing Day in February, which is uh, unique for them. Well, I'm glad you 
helped me segue there. Small recruiting class so far, uh, ranks 24th nationally, includes 12 signees. That includes two special teamers. Andrew Ivins had Clemson as a loser on, on the early signing day a few weeks ago. And you will point out, and I'll do, I'll do it for you, average rating per player of 92 for Clemson. That's better than top 10 classes like Texas or Penn State or Notre Dame in North Carolina. But again, like I would say there's something to be said for quantity and, yeah. um, and and also those schools, also despite what you just said, will probably hit the portal at least harder with more quantity than Clemson um, if, if current indications are going to mean anything. So 12 signees, and I know Clemson in the past, Anna has won national titles with classes outside the top 15. So they're not going to worry about the number 24 ranking. They're probably going to be more worried about a small number of guys. What would you expect? You don't have to get in the weeds too much, but what would you expect in the next few weeks as far as um, how many guys are they going to try to take recruiting wise? Yeah, I think I'm just going back to Ivan's putting them as a loser. I think part of that too is just, I mean, they lost three commitments at the end, three big time guys after Venables left. And then they landed Antonio Williams, a wide receiver, beat South Carolina, which was a nice win. But on signing day or the early signing period, no one knew, jumped on board. So it was kind of anticlimactic and kind of no big splashes, in other words, during that period. So I totally understand kind of that grouping. But um, yeah, I mean, they've got to go after a running back. They don't have a running back right now. They do not have a single defensive lineman, edge, or tackle. So I think they've got to get one of each at least. Dabo said during the early signing period, you know, kind of like, we're good at, we're good with detail, with D line numbers. You know, that's not a big need right now. And kind of insinuated that he didn't know what Xavier Thomas was going to do. And I mean, Xavier Thomas is going pro. We know that. And Dabo, I'm I'm under the impression that Dabo knew that too. But Clemson um, got beat for some defensive tackles that they wanted, multiple. And then they lost Jahad Campbell and Edge and also got beat out for some other edges. So it wasn't the best showing for defensive line recruiting in the early signing period leading up to it. But anyways, I think they'll take an edge and a tackle, a linebacker after losing Jaron Kinnick, who flips to Oklahoma, a corner and a safety after losing Keon Saab and D- Dalen Everett. And then I might be missing something off the top, but that's it off the top of my head. That's what I can recall. Um, I think they're good at receiver good at tight end, good at quarterback. Um, and unless someone just, you know, that can't miss prospect along the offensive line, maybe they go there. But like I said earlier, I think they might go to the portal for that route. So, you, but you think the class like can probably will probably safely be under 25 people. Yeah. Do you and fans? I mean, you see it fans on the message board and I know we're going long here, but it's like kind of a state of Clemson um, update. Like, the roster construction, Anna, is something you mentioned to me uh, several months ago when I was just going portal, portal, portal. You were like, hey, don't forget that like they're taking small classes. They're being selective. They're very happy to hand out an abundance of scholarships to former walk-ons. Does that concern you if you're a Clemson um, fan? I mean... Small class? I think it's a fair... It's fair to bring it up and debate it and argue it. Flip side of that would be this late... You know, Clemson's not in the playoff right now. They're not, it's not like they're getting a bunch of eyeballs on them. They had some changing changes, obviously, at both coordinator positions, didn't have a good season. So it's not like they're just rolling right now with momentum. So who are they going to go out and necessarily get? I mean, they're looking at defensive end from Daniel, which is a local high school, much to some people's chagrin. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a good player, but I'm not saying he's going to be an absolute game changer. Same with a guy they're looking at at cornerback who they're going to bring in on an official visit. Defensive tackle, they jumped in for Christian Miller, who, but I don't know this late in the game how great their chances are. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, instead of trying to go fill your class, take flyers on guys that you're not necessarily sold on, 
Clemson's perspective is pocket them and like, let's, let's go get a full class in 2023 and crush it then. That's, I'm thinking that's kind of their, because they'll have room for sure. It's kind of, I'm guessing that's their train of thought. What you could really argue though, is that Clemson should have been more liberal in how they handed out offers and pursued guys earlier in the cycle. Like not necessarily right now when, you know, the pickings are a little bit slimmer. I think, you know, you could have attacked defensive end a little bit differently, even wide receiver, running back. I mean, yeah, you can't necessarily fault them, you know, the corner position, the safety position, losing those commitments. And that's not necessarily a recruiting thing. That's just a coaching change. But yeah, some of those positions, I think you just could have been a little more aggressive in how you offered and how you pursued kids leading up to this period. So you didn't have to scramble. My last thing for you is like, how big is this bowl? How big is this cheese it bowl? And, and hey, look, like you mentioned, this is not a good season for Clemson perspective or for for Clemson standards. It's like if they win the bowl game, they're 10 and three. So yeah, another 10 win season. And I think it's pretty cool that there's no opt outs. I mean, not saying that opting out is bad, but just, you know, you've been in the playoff for six straight years. And now you're in the cheese it bowl against Iowa State, who's lost what five games. So it's not a sexiest matchup. So you have some guys that are leaving early. I think it would have been acceptable to for them to kind of hang it up and move on, but they they didn't. So I think that's neat. And I don't know how many fans are going to travel. Like I don't know what the I, I go to Orlando tomorrow, so I don't know what the vibe is like down there yet. But um, if I know Clemson and Dabo, he's, he'll have his guys ready to play. I would be I would be really surprised if they come out flat. I agree. Anna Hickey, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Thanks to Anna for joining us. Once again, Clemson plays on Wednesday. We just wanted to have that conversation for today's episode, though. Really good slate of bowl games. Fingers crossed it all goes down according to plan. Houston versus Auburn in the Birmingham Bowl at noon Eastern. Air Force versus Louisville in the First Responder Bowl, 315 Eastern. Mississippi State and Texas Tech in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl at night. And then two more games at night, too. Um, The Holiday Bowl. I love the Holiday Bowl. UCLA versus NC State and West Virginia versus Minnesota in the Gary Guaranteed rate bowl at 10:15 Eastern time. So stay up late. It's gonna be a full day of college football. Thank you for listening to the College Football Daily. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Have a great Tuesday. Enjoy the football. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.